A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, welcome to Hollywood Crime Scene. This is Rachel Fisher. Hi. Did you put a punch on Hollywood? <laughs> like a I just Hollywood tried. Crime Scene. I guess I tried something new today. Yeah. Not on purpose. Uh, it's good. Yeah. It's not, it makes us sound like we're e-entertainment or something. Or e, what's the um, entertainment tonight? Yeah. Mary Hart. <laughs> I like the one that goes extra, extra. Oh, yeah. Remember extra? Yeah. What was that? They, Nancy Odell? Yeah. Nancy Odell. Nancy Odell. Right? I left out her O. I, wasn't it Nancy Odell? Maybe. You're probably right. I just don't remember. Yeah. And Billy Bush. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Anyway. Take it away, Desi. So we want to start off by thanking the people who subscribe to our Patreon. That is at patreon.com slash Hollywood Crime Scene. There you can receive bonus episodes. Yeah. You can get movie recaps. Yeah. You can get ad-free episodes. Um, And our after show. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of uh, extra content there that starts at $5 a month. Yep. So let us thank Ellie, John, Stacy, Mary Kay, Michelle, Becca, Anna, Camille, Olivia, Nina, Nico, Hannah, Mary, Jay, Kimberly, Kelly, Kate, Akashia, Natasha, Gina Marie, Courtney, AK, Lisa, Rhiannon, Roccio, Roccio, Selena, Jesse, Kristen, Alexa, Lot, Arnie, Carmel, Lou, Miranda, Jamila, Lauren, Tina, Brandy, Stephanie, Claire, Fiona, Laura, Abigail, and Verini, Verinis. Veronese. How about that? That sounds good. That sounds better. Yeah. Veronese. Uh, thank you guys so much. Thank you so much. All right, Desi, here it is. The final chapter of Chateau Marmont. Now, this is part three. I'm looking... F- <laughs> We're having cat problems right now. There, there's a cat here who is not Melon, who is insisting on being very annoying right now. Anyway, my main source for this episode is The Castle on Sunset, Life, Death, Love, Art, and Scandal at Hollywood's Chateau Marmont by Sean Levy. Great book. This has been my main source for the past three episodes. I also used a lot of Different magazine articles and newspaper articles from over the years. <laughs> not just well, not just one. Years. years. I'm having difficulties today. It's, it's I, warm. I, I don't We're, know. Everyone in LA is losing their minds because <laughs> the so. heat is so oppressive and it's not going to stop it for a few more days. It hasn't let up at all. So we're all like struggling. Yeah. Say a prayer for us Angelinos. <laughs> we're not doing. We're not doing well. No. Anyway, let's get started. Where we left off in part two was the death of John Belushi, which was obviously an international story. Yes. It was huge, and his tragic death sort of put the Chateau Marmont on the map. Definitely. People who weren't from Los Angeles knew knew the name of this hotel now. So following... John Belushi's death in 1982, the hotel became more famous than ever. Though people across the globe knew that Belushi suffered a tragic fate at the Chateau Marmont, the hotel retained its mystique and cachet. Like, people were still like, well, what's that place? Yeah. A glowing review of the hotel was written just two months after Belushi's death in the New York Times. Quentin Crisp... Who we should probably do an episode on. He had a very interesting life. He authored a piece in the New York Times about his stay in Los Angeles. He said of the hotel, 
I stayed at the chateau four days and three nights and enjoyed every moment. We occupied a suite on the fourth floor. This consisted of a living room, two bedrooms, one containing two beds, a kitchen, a dining room, and even a balcony. A family could have lived there comfortably, except that in Los Angeles, a family is not a comfortable concept. The room in which I slept faced a sloping garden down which flowed a cascade of crimson and purple flowers that poured over the stone wall and almost touched the sidewalk. On the other side of our domain, the windows looked down in mercy onto Sunset Strip, which I had originally thought was a dance, but turns out to be a roaring thoroughfare. Hmm. So this is a very, like... Nice profile, romanticizing Adding the hotel. Adding to the mystique of it. Yes. This is like an old, it's an institution. There's a lot of old Hollywood glamour here. The hotel was still populated by the rich and famous. Obviously, John Cusack stayed at the Chateau when he was just 17 years old while he was filming one of his earliest movies, 16 Candles. I mean, people live here long term. Yeah. Uh, for sure. Especially actors who are like visiting from New York to film a movie. Yeah, they'll just stay here for like a month, two months. Like, Yeah. He said this. I saw Andre the Giant in the lobby <gasps> with a satin jacket that said hell. And I thought, rock on. I want that jacket. Can you? I just, <laughs> I just can picture John Cusack saying this so well. Yes. He seems like a guy who would say rock on. Yeah, definitely. But I would also get very excited if I saw Andre the Giant. It's got it's like it's an all-time celebrity sighting. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> what could be better than that? <laughs> Especially the jacket. I mean, also fellow 16 Candles actor Anthony Michael Hall. He also stayed there during that time. Oh, the Brat Pack love it. The Brat Pack was in full effect at the Chateau in the 80s. I guess John Cusack's not an official member, Mm-mm. but he's on the periphery because he was kind of around during that period already. Yeah, it's weird because he wasn't, yeah, he wasn't considered in the Brat Pack, but he was in 16 Candles. He was, and then he was also in Better Off Dead. And what was the other one, the really famous one? Say Anything. Say Anything. Yeah. But he wasn't He's in just the in that pack. circle. I'm sure they all hung out. Yeah, I'm sure. So, sorry, I got a new phone and it's like not, (laughs) it's doing some funky stuff. Another famous young actor that frequented the hotel was Robert Downey Jr. Oh, yeah. Now, of course, during this time, he was a party boy. Screenwriter L.M. Kit Carson recalls running into him in the lobby and looking absolutely trashed. Look, it would be fun to have hung out with him back then. (laughs) <laughs> I'm just going to say, I'm glad he's sober now. <laughs> I'm very glad. But if I could go yeah. back in time and hang out with that group of people. Just to see. It was wild times, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. So Robert Downey Jr. shows up running into this screenwriter looking trashed. Carson was at the time having coffee there with his wife when Robert sauntered over and says, hey, I'm supposed to be having a meeting right now, but I don't know with who. Can we just have a meeting those were the days. And <laughs> like his agent was like, go of a meeting with this person at the Chateau. And Robert was like, I, I don't know who I'm supposed to have a meeting with. I feel like there's something I love in particular about 80s Hollywood. It's just so coked out. <laughs> and like the people running things are just as messed up. Do you know what I mean? I mean, I guess that could be true of any period, but it seems particularly, it's like, how did things even get made? <laughs> how did things happen? How it's crazy. They, right. I mean, we saw how the Cotton Club movie went down. Right. Yeah. Or just like, even when we talked about Don Simpson, yes. it's like, he's putting these huge blockbusters together and he's complete maniac. Like, he's like hanging on by a wing and a prayer. Yeah. Okay. Another, oh, sorry, also in the 80s, this is a great story, Rupert Everett, Eric Stoltz, and John Philbin were there during, the, during Christmas time. Oh. While they were there, they spied this entire Christmas setup in somebody else's suite, like with the tree, the presents, and everything, and they're mm. like, oh, shit, we got to get in there. Yeah. Because I guess they're drunk, and they're like, they want to celebrate. We want- they're getting nostalgic. We want, to, we want to be by the Christmas tree. So they go into this room that was not theirs. They replaced all the presents that were under the tree with their own presents mm. that they picked out. 
they wrapped them in everything. Where'd they pick them out? <laughs> well, one of the presents that they left was a box of sex toys with a card that read, Happy Holidays from everyone at the <laughs> William Morris Agency. <laughs> When you're really rich, yes. you can actually do incredible pranks. Do you know what I mean? Like they they had no trouble buying like four hundred dollars worth of dildos just for a laugh. Right. <laughs> just for a laugh from the William Morris agency. You know you're successful when you can trash your agency and not worry they'll drop you. Like, yeah. Another present that they left was a kitchen knife with a card that read, To stab yourself in the back, we can't be bothered to do it. From your friends at Paramount. Wow. <laughs> They're taking shots. <laughs> I can't believe they roped Rupert Everett into this. Seriously. He it's a weird like, group, right? Eric Stoltz. He doesn't even seem like a particular bad boy of Hollywood. None of them do. No. Um, it's funny. Like At some point, I definitely want to do these big studio stories that were, there's just so much corruption in them and like not paying actors. Like Paramount obviously has this history I can't remember which one it was where they like stole money from that actor, Cliff Robertson. Yeah. They like embezzled stuff. Yes. And it was just like, how did they think they were going to get away with this shit? Um, but yeah, that's what it was. So in 1990, the Chateau underwent yet another revival and restoration when it was purchased by hotelier Andre Balaz. Oh. Now we talked about Andre Balaz yes. in episode one at the top of the episode. So go if you don't Episode remember one. Well, part one of this. oh part one. I was like, I was like that was in Wonderland. <laughs> I was like, wow, I don't even remember I'm that. So sorry. <laughs> no, it was okay. In, in part one, way back in April or March, whenever we did right. that. So Andre helped transform the hotel from a quaint Hollywood institution for celebrities to a world-renowned mecca of glamour and exclusivity. The rooms and the rooms of the hotel were given luxurious upgrades and the amenities were expanded. The chateau also would become a destination for parties, drinks, and dining. Yeah. Like I said, we talked about Andre Balaz in part one. He has been accused on numerous occasions of sexual harassment and for fostering a hostile work environment. This is just in the past th- few years. Right. And he's dated like a few big celebrities. Uma. Yeah. Some other people. I think Al McPherson or something. He's like a man about town. He's rich. He's very wealthy. Yeah. So we're going to get into his backstory a little bit. Okay. Balaz purchased the hotel for $12 million in 1990. Damn. And it was his first hotel. I mean, not that I could ever afford that, but part of me was like, that's cheap. Right. <laughs> Yeah, now it seems really cheap. Doesn't it? Because how I've seen houses in LA for that price. Easily. Yeah. It was his first hotel, baby's first hotel. Uh-huh. He would go on to open many more hotels, including the standard on Sunset. Rest in peace. Oh. I miss the standard so much. What do you miss about it? I used to stay there when I was a teenager and I used to like hang out there. As an adult? As a young adult. Okay. I used to go eat dinner there with my friend Carlos. Like, we would, like, go there. Like, all, like obviously, we would go to, like, sober hangout swingers all the time. But Is that at the standard? No. Oh. But sometimes we would go to, just the two of us would go to the standard instead. Like, Did they have a diner? Yeah, they have th- this diner there. And one time we're eating there instead, and because we for we foregoed going to swingers that night, and we went to the standard and said, and he goes, "This is swingers for winners." Oh, I went to a, um, I went to a, it was like an after party, yeah, at the standard, and the two, the two things I remember about this party, I was with a friend of mine who was on a show called The Comeback, so I'm not, I'm just with her, and I was pigging out at the buffet of course <laughs> so no one else is ever eating food at these parties yeah. and the only person next to me eating was Sia <laughs> I didn't know who she was because I don't think she really shows who she what she looks like and then afterwards I found out it was Sia but we were the only people eating at the buffet and the other thing I remembered was um, Billy Eichner was there oh yeah I didn't really talk to him I was talking to someone else 
just some, you know, whatever, no one famous. And he was like, Billy Eichner was looking around for like cool people. Yeah. And the person I was talking to was like, he's an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, really? Because I was like, he seems so. They're like, no. He looked at him. He's looking for who's famous. <laughs> it was just like this thing. I was like, okay. He's funny. Uh, I I don't really I don't think I've seen him in anything. Yeah. I guess I saw I like to show difficult people. Yeah. I did watch that show. Yeah. And anyway, that's, that's my standard stories. So <laughs> uh Andre Balaz was born in Massachusetts in Really? <laughs> I thought he was foreign. Okay. I'm shocked right now. <laughs> I literally was like, he's Swiss or something. He's comes from Hungarian immigrants. Okay. One person, I didn't include this in the, in my text here, but in the book, someone was quoted as saying like, in reality, the only exotic thing about Andre Balaz is that he has Hungarian ancestry. Wow. I'm stunned right now. Yeah. I, I really, I mean, it's a very, um, he has a fancy name. His name just sounds fancy, and I just honestly assumed he was some kind of Euro. Yeah. Whatever. He seems Euro. Yeah. But no. Nope. Okay. He's from Massachusetts. So I would love to hear his voice now. Me too. Because <laughs> I would be blown away now, I think. Because I've always pictured him with like a Central European accent. Yeah, just some kind of vaguely European. Yeah. Like, is he from Montenegro? I yeah. don't know. <laughs> is, is he from the Maldives? Is he from... <laughs> The Maldives. That's not in Europe. Where is that? The Maldives. That's off the coast of Africa. Really? Yeah. It's like a tropical island. Oh, nice. I want to go there. That sounds really nice. That's where Euros uh, I was vacation. trying to think of the um, place where the princess, Catherine Oxenberg from Dynasty, she had like a faked up, fake country name. Ibiza? No, it's not Ibiza. <laughs> it was something with an M and that's why Maldives. Malta? No, it was made oh, up. Oh, it was fake. It was like okay. made up. That's why I was, Maldives like just popped in my head. <laughs> I was like, what was the name of that country? Uh, but yeah, I agree. It's like, or, or people who are from Monaco. It's yes. like, what is that what even? Is Monaco? <laughs> Monaco is like a made up country. It's just like gambling and like I, a tax haven. I want to go right? there so it bad. It looks really, really uh, we fun. Got, we got to do a live show in Monaco. We need to find out Honestly, how many listeners we have I in drag, Monaco. I drag Euro Trash, but secretly I want to oh. be Euro Trash. <laughs> My, like it seems fun to me too. I'm not even joking, but the guy, my friend who I was hanging out with today, we went to Costco together when, <laughs> when we were when we were 17, we threw a party and the theme was Euro trash. It just seems like a really funny lifestyle yeah. and I would love to try it for a week. I'm jealous. <laughs> I'm jealous of Euro trash. Yeah. I don't even quite know what it is exactly, but you know it when you see it. Yeah. Right? It's like we need to get like some Balmain, like some Balmain, and you know if I'm like yeah. pronouncing it how they would pronounce Balmain. it. Some Balmain, <laughs> blazers. We uh, need- there's something about going to Monaco that just seems so useless. I love it. Yeah, <laughs> you know you've made it when you you can go to Monaco for a vacation because right, I'm at the level now where I'm like if I'm going on vacation, it's got to be a place I loved, I really want to go to because I'm spending a lot of money. Yeah. I'm not going to Monaco for my first big European, no. like whatever. Like. I mean, both of us are like so inexperienced with Europe. I've only been to Europe once and not even Western Europe. No, and I want to go to the, you know, like triple threat like Italy. <laughs> Italy Paris London like I want to go to the big ones we've never even done that yeah I mean I'm going to other places eventually but like right. I'm not my first trip will not be to Monaco well even though it's probably very beautiful I just want to go to the the big three why was my first and only trip to Russia because that's family because it's family yeah but that's the only time I've been to Europe yeah I want to go we'll get up let's do it I'll go to year. Russia with you I'm not going to Russia right now. <laughs> well, not right now. I, not right now, but I mean, okay. like, in general. Yeah. No, I mean, I it it, it looks uh, interesting. I'd like to go back now. Yeah. Not now, but, not like, now. as a more, like, more mature. I'm going to wait. More mature. Yeah. Anyway, Monte Carlo, where's that? No Is idea. that in Monaco? All I know about that's, Where's- like, where people go race car driving. But, like, right? I want to go to these places. The Monte Carlo Grand Prix. I want to go sit in the car, sit in the stands and like wave the checker flag. <laughs> you know, 
like Grand Prix. Have yeah. you ever watched any Grand Prix? No, it looks so boring to me. I don't get it. But I did watch this documentary on it once. <laughs> and I was kind of like, this whole world exists and I don't even know anything about it. And all of these people are stars. These like sleazy race car drivers are like huge stars. And some of them are hot. Like I'll just go anywhere where I can have like a silk scarf in my hair and like a cigarette holder. It's the only place that looks appealing for me to be on a yacht too. Right. Because that's not, the only time where I'm like, I could do a yacht in, in, if I'm in um, Monte Carlo. I will do a yacht <laughs> in Monte Carlo or um, like the Amalfi Coast. Right. And but it needs to be like a highbrow thing. I don't want to do a yacht in Miami. No. Or... With like, yeah. <laughs> I want it to be like Elizabeth Taylor style. <laughs> do you I'm know just, what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, because that's the only... Because I'm not about yacht life. I don't even quite honestly, I will try it, but I might not like it because I don't know. I seem like I'd get like sick on a boat. My grandma had a speedboat and we used to drive it all the time in Long Beach Island, New Jersey. Oh. That was fun. I've been on some speedboats. I shudder to think about like how dangerous it probably was. (laughs) I used to drive it when I was like 13. Oh my God. There's no rules on a boat. No. I I like how all of a sudden you're on a boat and everyone's like, whatever goes. (laughs) (laughs) Let let the fucking 10 year old drive it. (laughs) It was New Jersey. Yeah. It's like, there's no rules on a boat. It's like, okay, everyone's drinking. Yeah. We're just (laughs) drinking and driving, drinking and boating. Yeah, anyway. Gambling and boating. Yeah, going to international waters, (laughs) fucking anything goes there. Could kill people. (laughs) (laughs) Where were we? Andre Balaz. Not He's of a Hungarian descent. But he's from Massachusetts. But he's from Massachusetts. Oh, boy. Okay, wicked cool. (laughs) (laughs) He majored in English at Cornell. Wow. Where he also worked for the school newspaper, and he also created his own magazine that wrote about local events like rock shows for young people. He then went to Columbia, New York for journalism and business. Following graduation, he had a brief career in politics, working as an aide to Bess Meyerson. She was running for Senate in 1980 and wound up losing. Who is this broad? Um, Well... This is someone who you would know if you grew up in New York. Right. She's a former Miss America. She was the first Jewish Miss America. What? Yeah. And I don't remember exactly because I was really young, but she was involved in some political scandal in the 80s, probably after this happened. Uh, I I can't remember, but it might have involved money and some person she was sleeping with. I don't, I don't remember the exact scandal, but that's where I knew who she was. We should do an episode on her. Yeah. She's like, I'm sure her life is very interesting. Like, yeah. Uh, and she, like it, I said, to be the first Jewish Miss America was probably quite an accomplishment. Right. Considering it was probably in like the 60s or 50s maybe even right. uh, at that time. We weren't even allowed in country clubs yet. Yeah. So it was definitely a big deal. And I think she just kind of got with the wrong people. Right. The following year, he joined his dad working for his pharmaceutical company called Biomatrix. This company made a lot of money. So he's from money. He's from money. During the 80s, Andre worked the New York party scene and began purchasing real estate. I mean, when someone just begins purchasing real estate, that's like you got... No one just begins purchasing real (laughs) estate unless they have money already. Like Right. He ended up marrying Katie Ford in 1985. And that's Eileen Ford's daughter? Yes. Katie is the daughter of Eileen and Jerry Ford of the Ford Modeling Agency. Katie and Andre were both fixtures in New York City nightlife. Okay. Before the purchase of the Chateau, Andre and his friend Eric Good opened an exclusive supper club called BC in Hollywood. But this club closed down within a year as they were cited for operating this club illegally. It was originally intended just to be dining, but it ended up becoming like a party place and got shut down. He returned to New York to to begin construction on the Mercer Hotel, which would take several years to complete. But in the midst of this construction, he caught the hotel bug. He's like, I want to be a hotel guy. Yeah. So I'm going to buy one. It's like uh, Ian Schrager from yeah. the, um, Studio 54. He wants to be a club guy. It's such a weird... Or like the clubs and like the hotels. Right. Like I wouldn't even think of going into that business. <laughs> Do you 
know what I mean? To just start buying hotels. You got to be wealthy. It's like when you finally get to buy a hotel in Monopoly. Yeah. You got to work the board for a few rounds to get, you get hotel money. And if you get a hotel on Park Place and Broadway, you're set. The game's over. No. Hills, you're you're in Beverly Hill. You're living it up. Your, your sibling hates you now. And that will usually take about three hours to get to <laughs> Monopoly, the longest game the ever. Long, it never That's ends. what I remember about Monopoly as a kid, just being like crying <laughs> and wanting to end it, like, <laughs> which is what a capitalist life will do to you. It's the ultimate capitalist Because you just want to like end your life. Yeah. You're like, I can't take it anymore. <laughs> Please. Let me let me stop. You're either fucking over the little guys or you're getting fucked. Monopoly is one of those games that kind of sounds fun to start. Yes. And then at some point you just regret every decision you've ever made. And you're just like, now looking at him, I have to say, he does look like he's from Massachusetts. <laughs> I just, I had to like twist my perspective a bit. And I, yeah. now I see it. Yeah. Uh, for sure. But he does also kind of look like. In a in a ro- bad rom com like the prince from the made up country totally but like, now I can see the Massachusetts too <laughs> do you know what I mean like it's like uh, are you seeing the old woman or the young yes, woman absolutely <laughs> the chateau's restoration was handled by Uruguayan mm-hmm. Des- he's from Uruguay designer Fernando Santangelo and New York designer Sean Houseman. They made the necessary upgrades and additions while still retaining the character that made the hotel so beloved. Frequent guest of the Chateau, John Waters, <gasps> approved of the changes, saying, I can't tell what is and what isn't fixed up. Eve Babbitts had a great quote. She said, Except for not wanting to kill myself when I walk into the room, the Chateau feeling the same the Chateau feeling is the same as ever, only cleaner. Hmm. And it does have a funky decor. Yes. Like it looks like antiques and yeah. it's like a combination. I'm sure it's like some new stuff, but it does have an eclectic, uh, funky decor style. And that's part of what makes it special. Yeah. It looks like you're at someone's home yes. in a way, you know? Yes. In a 2019 Vanity Fair article, Mark Razo described the makeover of the Chateau like this. Vintage-style tiles were put in, antique stoves tuned up or installed, ad hoc lighting fixtures replaced, Jean-Michel Frank-esque furnishings scattered about. The bare-bones lobby alcove where Parsons had posed for the cover of his 1973 album GP was swathed in Clarence House and Scalamandre fabrics, and the room transformed into a faux baronial jazz-age cloister. The staff presented Lindsay Hogg with a mirror from his old apartment as a keepsake as a new checkerboard floor and piano came in. The whole property had a honey amber glow. Now the next task was revamping the Chateau's image. And that's where we will take a break. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well. HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm the queen of starting a free trial offer and forgetting to cancel it, oftentimes being charged for months for something I'm not even using. If I asked you how many subscriptions you have, would you be able to list all of them and how much you're paying? If you would have asked me this question before I started using Rocket Money, I would have said yes, but let me tell you, I would have been so wrong. I can't believe how many I had and all the money I was wasting. With Rocket Money, I can see all of my subscriptions in one place, and if I see something I don't want, I can cancel it with a tap. I never have to get on the phone with customer service. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill, and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. 
Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. It's definitely saved me money and now I can use that money to waste on things I do want. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Hollywood Crime Scene. That's rocketmoney.com slash Hollywood Crime Scene. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I've had a really stressful year with work and family stuff, and I know I'm not alone when I say I tend to push that stress down in order to get what I need done, done, and that only makes things worse. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. In the past, therapy has helped me navigate many situations from helping me to set boundaries to just becoming the best version of myself. If you are thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. I love that it's entirely online, so it's convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash HCS today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash HCS. Andre took out ads for the hotel in magazines that featured artsy, fashionable shots of sexy women. Mm. One of the ads that I saw featured two naked women in silhouette doing gymnastics on the hotel grounds. So it wasn't like a room was featured. It was just like this black and white shot of these women doing back bends. Like, look what can happen here. Anything. Anything. (laughs) And you wouldn't know that this was a hotel being advertised if it weren't for the only bit of text in the ad, which read Chateau Marmont Hollywood, followed by the phone number. This is a very um, 90s type of advertising yeah. where you don't know what the hell's going on. Yeah. <laughs> Usually it's a perfume ad, yeah. but it definitely switched into other areas. <laughs> yeah, people started going off the wall with advertising. Because there was a few really artistic ones, like maybe Herbert's yes. kind of Calvin Klein ones and other stuff. And then it just started becoming a thing where it became almost a joke. Yes. You're like, at the end, you're like, oh, that was for um, mints. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like that was too horny for mints. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? Ads were very horny. I know ads have been very horny in the past, but I feel like ads were horny for things that didn't have to be horny. Then they were more overt too. It yeah. was no longer subliminal. Subliminable. Subliminable. <laughs> Subliminal. It was like you'd have a Kahlua ad and it would just be like oily tits everywhere. Oh, everything was oiled. It was so much oil on tits. Yeah, I agree. It was also just for anything. Like yeah. even that Nestle commercial, it's kind of horny. Oh, wait. The white chocolate. Uh. <laughs> Creamy white. Yeah. Like why does that song go so hard? That's. <laughs> I don't think anyone will ever top a jingle like that. Maybe the Mentos jingle, but but the Nestle for their white chocolate circa 1990. That literally sounds like a song though. It's haunting. Yeah. It is a haunting song. It sounds like someone just got fucked and is wistful about their lover leaving or something. (laughs) Nestle makes the very best. N-E-L-E-S-T-L. Right? What? N-E-S-T-L-E-S. N-E-S-T-L-E-S. Let's move on. See, that's a good clip. Oh my God. I was like, are you having a stroke? (laughs) Why is he talking about creamy white? It's so creamy. It's so creamy. It's like two people like spinning in their in their. But it's also kind of like, (laughs) there's whispering in it. There's some whispering in it. I want that song like on my Spotify playlist. To be honest, someone should do a remix because I would dance to that. Like, Like they should sample it. They should sample it with like yeah. some kind of good beat, like some drag queen should like sing it or something. I think it could be the dance hit of the winter. And before you email in, yes, I am very aware of the Faith No More cover of that song. 
and it's oh. very, <laughs> and it's I like that. Here's what's happened. Someone stopped the podcast right after we did that and wrote the email. <laughs> then they're going to replay the podcast and hear your <laughs> Nobody on this show is a bigger fan of Mike Patton than I am. I know all about that cover and yeah. it's very horny. Yes. So, please. I, I agree Don't with even you. try it. It's great. Where the fuck were we? Oh, no? Okay. Advertising. So the ads were horny. Yes. Around this time, Andre Balaz sought to make the hotel not just a place to stay, but a place to hold events and a place to party. Yeah. Among the events hosted at the Chateau were poetry readings, wine tastings, mm. and art shows. Okay. This is in the early 90s. Yeah. Poetry readings. So they That's got, not really party. I think like Melissa Gilbert read some poetry there. Oh. <laughs> Wait, it's not who I think of when I think of party. The girl from Roseanne. I don't know. What, oh, no. Sarah Gilbert. Sarah Gilbert. Yeah. Melissa Gilbert was from Little House That's on the right. prairie. Her sister. The celebrity guests brought the reporters and the paparazzi. In the Vanity Fair article that I cited earlier, Sofia Coppola reminisced about her time partying there in the 90s before the advent of social media. She said, you could do things. Nothing was being reported except in the hotel log. I remember one night hanging out with some friends and going to sleep and waking up and looking over and Colin Farrell was smoking cigarettes on the floor next to my bed. She said she had no idea who he was or how he got there. It was like a clubhouse. And back then, everything wasn't documented, thankfully. Yeah. That changed soon enough. During the 1990s, Dominic Dunn spent a lot of time at the Chateau. Oh. I mean, that's the interesting thing about this place. It's like older people like it and younger people like it. Yes. So that's sort of a key to its success, I think. It's pretty remarkable that it has such a broad appeal of different ages and different like sort of I mean they're all most <laughs> they're all wealthy people right. at the end of the day but just like it seems like different demographics within that within wealthy class people. I guess it, so Domin- I love Dominic Don we love him we we've t- we talked about him a lot in our poltergeist episode he spent months at the chateau in the early 90s while he was covering the Menendez brothers trial oh and then again a few years later while covering the OJ trial Yes. After the OJ trial ended, Dominic returned home to New York. While he was en route, he came to the horrifying realization that he left something behind in his suite. When he landed, he called the hotel and said, I'm afraid I've left a pornographic video of a low-rent nature in the VCR. Oh. Do you think you could remove it before Maria the maid finds it? (gasps) Why was he so worried about Maria? (laughs) (laughs) Well, the hotel was able to intercept the tape before Maria, who he had become friends with Uh over the years. And he didn't want her to know that he was watching porn. He was watching a porn tape. I would love to know what it was. I'm dying to know what the subject matter was. Low rent. He said it was of a low rent nature. I mean, at that point, any porn tape was probably pretty like that vibe, you know? I need to know what it was. It's a VHS porn. The hotel offered to mail the tape back to Dominic, and he responded, oh, good God, no. I mean, he's pretty prissy. (laughs) Like, he's pretty prim and proper. Yeah. That's his vibe. Also, I'm sure he's just like, throw it away, right? Get rid of it. I already jerked off to it. I got some new ones back in New York. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) They got jugs here. When Dominic died in 2009, the hotel held a memorial service for him there. And they played the porn. (laughs) In the background. It was a lovely tribute to a great man. (laughs) And we still have the tape. We'll always remember the time. Great. This prolific journalist. I just want to warn you guys. (laughs) What a great send off. Uh, in 1995, Andre Balaz teamed up with successful nightclub and restaurant owner Sean McPherson to open Bar Marmont. Now, I was stunned reading this to learn that Bar Marmont has only been around since 1995. They did not have a hotel bar before then. Oh, not even like a small one? They didn't even have a liquor license oh, damn. until 1992. Damn. It, doesn't that seem crazy? 
Yeah. I mean, I guess people were just bringing their own. BYOB. Yeah. Sean McPherson, he had just recently opened up the Good Luck Bar, which was like a hot spot. Oh. And he opened Swingers, which okay. I mentioned, yeah. tying that all back together. He was responsible for that. I liked the Good Luck Bar. It was cute. Yeah, he that was him. So he, obviously him, this gets a lot of buzz that this like club guy is teaming up with the Chateau to open their own right. club. The New Yorker published a piece about the bar shortly before it opened, and they predicted it was destined to be a hot spot. So it was, obviously. Their opening of this bar went off with a bang, hosting Leonardo DiCaprio's 21st birthday party. Oh, shit. And like, That's the Pussy Patrol, right? Pussy Posse. Pussy Posse. <laughs> Whatever. It's like I was Paw thinking Patrol. of Paw Patrol. <laughs> Dude, I saw a Scruff McGruff commercial the other day. Really? McGruff, old the crime dog. No, it wasn't. <laughs> Do they still have that guy? I don't know. I was on a weird site. Oh. And the ad He takes played. a bite out of crime. Yeah, he takes a bite out of we crime. We know him well. The animation. He has this little creepy uh, flasher overcoat on, yeah. right? <laughs> Scruff McGruff. Uh, <laughs> the commercial was Don't Buy Counterfeit iPads. Oh, so it is definitely newer. Because they might blow up. Like it showed oh. <laughs> it, showed, it showed like a kid opening this counterfeit iPad and it like spark started sparking and like exploded. Damn. Yeah. Who knew? Anyway. Scruff knew. Scruff knew. <laughs> it's getting the word out. So at this time the Sunset Strip had also entered a new era. This the strip obviously has gone through several different incarnations. Right. I would say the era prior to this was like the hair metal. Yeah. So like, not as not as necessarily like hip, right? Yeah. It was like a different vibe. And now it's like the club era. In the 90s. In the 90s. Yeah. Because Sky Bar had just opened up at Mondrian. Right. And the Viper Room had opened up. Yes. In 93. So now they have Bar Marmont, so it's like, oh, we can go to Sunset to go clubbing. And just bar hop to these cool bars. Yeah. A few years later, Andre Balaz would transform a retirement home just west of the Chateau into the Standard Hotel, which had its own thriving bar scene. Again, rest in peace. In 2003, the Chateau opened a restaurant for the first time in its history. Oh, damn. Again, I was stunned that the restaurant's only been around since 2003. I mean, didn't we, in a previous episode, mention that they would order food from that chicken place or something? Yeah, but that was like in the 60s. I know, but they probably never had a restaurant. They never That's had a restaurant. That's why people had to order food yeah. from other places. So... The reception for this restaurant was very positive. A review in the LA Times praised Chef Muhammad Islam's dishes, saying, He served thick slices of tomato with fresh mozzarella and basil. Much of the produce comes from the farmer's market, and specials reflect the season. The reviewer also described the French fries as irresistible, which they're very good. They are good. They're but good. I love that this writer seems to have never heard of caprese salad. <laughs> It was the most incredible thing. Slices of tomato with fresh mozzarella on it. What a concept. <laughs> but it's like such a popular dish. Totally. Like almost at every restaurant. In 2003 also, the hotel's accountant, Kelly Timother Ebert, was arrested for embezzling $14 million. Wow. From both the Chateau and the Standard. Look, if you're going to embezzle, get some money. Get $14 million. Seriously, like how do you do that? Ebert came under suspicion when people noticed that his lavish lifestyle did not match up with his salary. Stupid. Yeah. You got to hide that you shit. You got to hide it. Over his six-year-long embezzlement scheme, he purchased a $2 million house. He purchased a bed and breakfast in Santa Barbara. That's where he went too far. <laughs> <laughs> Why is he buying? They're like, dude, you're an accountant. Why are you buying a bed and breakfast? Right. You should know these things as an accountant that you can't afford. It's always that. wild to me where you're like, they could have gotten away with it, maybe. Yeah. Except for this. I mean, I'm sure something that big, maybe they would have gotten caught. He also purchased two cars, including a Mercedes. He always had a new Rolex on. Mm. And he was really into purchasing expensive movie memorabilia. <laughs> wow. Ebert siphoned hotel funds into an account from a defunct CD ROM business that he used to own. 
Oh. He was actually fired from both hotels for missing a mortgage payment on the properties. So that happened before they found out he was embezzling. That's what's so crazy to me. Yeah. Yeah. So then he was under investigation, and that's when they discovered his crimes. They're like, oh, shit. Yeah. It's more than just this mortgage. Yeah. By the early 2000s, the chateau was more popular than ever as a destination for young partygoers. The price of the rooms shot up too, costing anywhere from $500 a night to $2,000 a night. Mm. Everyone wanted to be there. And the tales from inside the hotel were about to be regularly splashed across tabloid pages. In 2007, the New York Daily News reported that Victoria Beckham was very unpopular among the guests at the chateau, claiming that she regularly alerted the paparazzi when she would be there, which disturbed the privacy of the guests who didn't want to be seen. The source who gave this information clarified that everyone liked her husband, David Beckham. They're like, we like him. We don't like her. That's even extra shady. So shady. The source also said that one time Britney Spears showed up to the restaurant and there was only one table left and it was next to Victoria, so she left. Oh. She's like, I don't want to sit next to her. She's going to call the paparazzi. Damn. And I think we mentioned in an earlier episode, it's really, there's only like one entrance. Yeah. You can't like really sneak in. Yeah. It's like, you know, it's just like the the location is on this steep hill. Right. And there's like one sort of driveway entrance really. Yep. With the rise of tabloid culture, everyone wanted to know the goings on inside the chateau. A 2006 video of Heath Ledger allegedly doing cocaine with some people in his suite was leaked. Oh. A lawsuit was filed by an unnamed woman who was in the video, and she filed this lawsuit against two photographers from Splash News Paparazzi. She claimed that these paparazzi lured Heath up to her room, gave him cocaine, and then secretly filmed him doing <gasps> it. Like they wanted to, Damn. to catch him doing it. Though the plaintiff was unnamed, she was identified as a People magazine reporter who was there covering the SAG Awards after party. Okay. Perhaps the Chateau's most infamous guest of the modern age was Lindsay Lohan. Oh, yeah. She was no stranger to the hotel, having stayed and partied there several times throughout her career. In 2006, People magazine reported that Harry Morton broke up with her on the courtyard patio of the chateau. <gasps> wow. Remember Harry Morton? Of course. Pink he was taco. like everywhere. <laughs> pink to fucking pink taco. That same year, Lindsay, who was living at the chateau at the time, was hand-delivered an infamous letter to her, to her suite. This letter was signed by James Robertson, who was the head of Morgan Creek Productions, the studio that was funding her latest film, Georgia Rule. Oh, I remember Georgia Rule. <laughs> this letter scolded Lindsay for her unprofessional behavior, and when the letter was published by the Smoking Gun, it, it sent a shockwave across the country. Mm. I remember this yeah. vividly, because I was, had, was just about to get sober, and I'm like, well, see, yeah. I'm not the only one yeah. who's <laughs> slacking. This is what the, do you want to hear the letter? Sure. It says, Dear Lindsay, since the commencement of principal photography of Georgia Rule, you have frequently failed to arrive on time to the set. Today, you did not show for work all day. I am now told you don't plan to come to work tomorrow because you are, quote, not feeling well. Mm. You and your representatives have told us that your various late arrivals and absences from the set have been the result of illness. Today, we were told it was heat exhaustion. We are well aware of your ongoing all-night heavy partying is the real reason for your so-called exhaustion. <laughs> we refuse to accept bogus excuses for your behavior. To date, your actions on Georgia Rule have been discourteous, irresponsible, and unprofessional. You have acted like a spoiled child and in doing so have alienated many of your coworkers and endangered the quality of the picture. Moreover, your actions have resulted in hundreds of thousands of dollars in damage. We will not tolerate these actions any further. If you do not honor your production commitments, including your scheduled call time for tomorrow and any call times thereafter, we will hold you personally accountable. 
This means that in addition to pursuing full monetary damages, we will take other action as we deem necessary to preserve the integrity of the Georgia rule production as well as Morgan Creek's financial interests. I urge you to take this letter seriously and conduct yourself professionally. Sincerely, James G. Robinson, CEO, Morgan Creek Productions. And then he CC'd like her team, like mm. her publicist and manager and stuff, and Dina Lohan. Oh. He also CC'd Dina. Here's the thing that's wild. Imagine carrying on like that and you're starring in a movie with Jane Fonda. Ugh. Like, would you ever want to get Jane Fonda mad at you? No, never. I would never. be on my best fucking behavior because I would not want her to hate me. Ever. It's so embarrassing. I wouldn't want to disappoint her. No way. I love her. Yeah. So anyway, but that was like a huge deal. I just remember when this letter came out because everyone was like, Lindsay finally got scolded. And like, it was just this, like, yeah. she got spanked. Well, because everyone just kind of brushes this stuff under. Yeah. Right? We never really hear. We know they're all fucking pissed. Right. But they never publicly uh, spill these feuds, usually. It was wild. I mean, I I don't think we've seen anything like this since. This guy, he had had it. He He was done. (laughs) People remarked how unusual it was that he didn't address this letter to, like, her managers. It was directed directly to her. Also, to CC your mom is so embarrassing. Oh. <laughs> Even if it's Dina. Dina. <laughs> like, she's not doing jack shit. Dina, Come on. <laughs> fucking Dina Lohan. She's what at a, the Chate- Chateau, too. <laughs> she was definitely at the Chateau. What an icon, Dina Lohan. In 2010, Lindsay made headlines when she was reported to get into a fight with Avril Lavigne at the hotel. Oh. According to the New York Post... Lindsay went over to a table where Avril Lavigne and Brody Jenner were sitting. Oh, boy. Yep. <laughs> this is so 2000s, I right? know. And Avril said to Lindsay, get the hell out of my face. You are fake. You are a loser. I don't, wow. like, I don't like false people. <gasps> Stay away from me and my friends. And then Lindsay allegedly tried to have Avril thrown out to no avail. Well, I mean, they're equal level fame. Yeah. Like, (laughs) in the Vanity Fair article I was reading about this, it was like Lindsay Lohan, the actress, Avril Lavigne, the singer, and Brody Jenner, the boyfriend of somebody. I guess that was before he was on a reality show. No, he was already like famous at this point. But he was always kind of like, why? He was someone's boyfriend always. Yes, but I think he was on a show because wasn't he. Isn't his wasn't his mom like married to um, David Foster too? At some point, I, I just think those those women like his mom just married a bunch of famous people. I like there's always that people yeah. who are just like, how are they famous? They're always connected to some wealthy behind the scenes person. Or I don't something. know where he came from, but I just remember there was a period of time where he was everywhere. I think he also dated someone on um, Laguna Beach. Yeah, the Hills, the Hills, uh, right. We can look it up later. Kristen Cavallari. Yeah, I feel like he dated Kristen Cavallari or Lauren Conrad. Yeah, he's definitely in that mix. He was for sure in that. I'm, wasn't he? Oh, you watched The Hills. I didn't. Was, was he on The Hills? I don't remember, but sometimes I get confused with those guys. <laughs> so many of them. Anyway, but that squabble was a nothing compared to what happened two years later. Oh, boy. In 2012, Lindsay had spent several months living at the Chateau on and off. By July 31st of that year, she received a letter from the hotel manager, Philip Pavel, ordering her to vacate the premises. Attached to the letter was a 15-page itemized bill for the charges she had racked up during her stay, which totaled $46,000. Whoa! According to the letter, Lindsay had been asked to pay for all of this shit weeks earlier, but she refused. She was like, Lifetime's going to pay for it. I'm filming oh. Liz and Dick. Oh. <laughs> she, really, she really thought something was going to happen there. Lifetime is paying for all this shit. I'm not paying for it. And Lifetime was like, we're not paying for it. Yeah. And so she was asked that her and all of her belongings be removed from her suite the following day on August 1st. Between May 30th and July 31st, Lindsay racked up $3,000 at the hotel minibar, $700 in cigarettes, 
among the restaurant charges and the room rate, which cost 615 among all the restaurant charges and room rate, which costs her 1615 a night. 1615? Yeah, uh-huh. 1600 wait, $615 a night. $600? Okay. So that was Sorry. so hard for me to say for some reason. Okay. When she threw a party on the 4th of July, she racked up a number of charges just for that day, including almost $2,000 at the restaurant and around $700 in room service charges. I want to know what she got at the mini bar that totaled $3,000 within 47 days. Well, they really overcharge. They do. On those things. They do. And if she had people partying. Right. And they just stupidly were slamming those little bottles. Why am I thinking like, oh, all the like macadamia nuts. Oh. I mean, I would be so embarrassed if my um, things I ordered were like, what if someone released my DoorDash or whatever? (laughs) It would just be so embarrassing. Like, oh, wow. You got dumplings again. Three days in a row. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I would be humiliated. At least this didn't like list the things, the like specific. Right. But it, the 700 in cigarettes is pretty crazy too. Well, the reason it was so high is because cigarettes at in the lobby, they were $14. Oh. See, know, she's spending all this money on hotel shit, yes. which is jacked up. Yes. Right? Because she's not just going down to the gas station no, to get cigarettes. Any normal person would be like, let's just get a bunch of booze delivered and not use the mini bar. Yeah. I would imagine even if you're rich... You're you not would gonna, do that. It's inconvenient to open up all those bottles. Yeah. So that's why the cigarettes were so expensive. She was subsequently banned from the property. A few months later, in October, she was photographed entering the hotel. When E! News asked about it, a rep for the Chateau responded, Chateau, Chateau Marmont places guest privacy as a core value and upholds the privacy with paramount importance. This is a private matter between one of their guests and the hotel, and they will continue to treat it as such. So they wouldn't comment if she right. was banned or not. What's the famous picture of her where she's kind of like, oh, like her oh. mouth? Is that in front of the chateau or coming no. out of it? No, oh. that was like, I feel like that was like in Beverly Hills or oh, something. Okay. I feel like there was one coming out of the chateau or something, but maybe I'm just misremembering. Following this news, the Chateau then issued a formal statement reiterating reiterating their commitment to guest privacy. On the Lindsay Lohan matter, they said, After investigation, it appears that a private correspondence between Chateau Marmont's general manager and Miss Lohan was leaked by a member of her entourage. So they accused someone from her team Mm -hmm. leaking this. We are horrified and disappointed and troubled by this occurrence, as Miss Lohan surely is. Mm. So they're like, I'm sure she's embarrassed. Anyone decent and responsible would be embarrassed. So that's shady to me. <laughs> totally. I mean, well, she probably leaked it thinking Lifetime would pay for it or. Oh, right? you think she did leak it? I do. Oh. Because I don't think she finds it embarrassing. I think she was trying to force someone to pay for it. Right. That's interesting. Uh, thinking like the publicity would embarrass the production or something, mm. maybe. So, meanwhile, Lindsay had just finished filming Liz and Dick. Mm. Lifetime Network, like I said, they didn't say much except that they would not be footing the bill. They're like, we got you a suite at the Best Western <laughs> and Marina Del Rey. <laughs> right, close what to where want? we're filming. <laughs> that, that was what we gave you. Yeah. That was uh, we know what the budget was three hundred fifty like. a night, no amenities. <laughs> three fifty, that's expensive for the best western. It's a nice one. <laughs> it's, nice. it's nice. It's nice. The Marita Del Rey best western. That's nice. Look, sometimes they fix up those old school hotels. It's true. Um, well, you never sometimes know. you try and book like a best western. You know when you like travel. Oh yeah, you're like, oh, this will be cheap, and it's like. $200 no, it's a night? still expensive. Are you kidding me? Nowadays, I just feel like almost every hotel is 200 Yes. Right? Yes. It just seems that way. Standard used to be $99 a night. Really? Yes. And that was like one of the cool things about it was that even though it was a super cool place to stay, it was relatively inexpensive. Is that why it went out of business? I don't... I don't think it was 99 for a long time. Like yeah. when I used to stay there in like the early 2000s, 
it was 99 a night. Wow. That's cheap. The previous year, a considerably less famous guest was also banned from the hotel. Jen Hoffman, who is described in LA Weekly as a blogger and actress, tweeted about another guest who was at the chateau, and she got in trouble for that. Really? According to Jen, she tried to make a reservation at the restaurant a few weeks after she fired off the offending tweet and was told that she wasn't welcome there. Wow. Hoffman then tweeted, I tweeted I was there and Rachel Hunter was acting nuts, doing splits and trying on other people's glasses, which she was. (gasps) Dragging Rachel Hunter. (laughs) In like 2010. This is 2011. Oh, I mean, she's not even really like a relevant celebrity at this point. No. (laughs) Uh, Hoffman told LA Weekly, they said, we don't allow for any media in there. It's private. I said, I'm sorry, I can delete the tweet. They said, that's not enough. We can't accommodate you for one year. We'll revisit this in a year. How do they keep track of that? I have no idea. Because it's like, do they have a policy at the door? No tweeting? Do you know what I mean? Like, I guess they weren't prepared for like social media and like everyone having a smartphone. Yeah. At this time. Yeah. During the new age of the chateau, it was almost a balancing act between keeping it this hot spot that had all this buzz and like, look what all this crazy shit's happening here, while also keeping it this sort of private oasis for celebrities. I feel like a lot of places in LA go through this because it's like the celebrities make it hot. Yeah. But then when all the normies come, celebrities stop going there. And there's like this weird period where it just sucks. Yeah. <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? Like, right. Where all of us plebs go there instead. Yes. So that was sort of this like thing they had to go through. In the past few years, the Chateau has been mired in controversy between the allegations against Andre Balaz and the unfair working conditions and the 248 workers who were laid off during the pandemic. But some good news just broke very recently. On August 25th of this year, employees of the Chateau announced that they got their union. Nice. LA Mag reported, as of August 25th, the Chateau Marmont workers will be returning to their jobs as members of Unite Here Local 11, the union announced Thursday. The bargaining committee will soon begin negotiations for their first contract. Having a union means I will be able to provide a better future for my daughter and make her proud, Walter Alamandares at a Chateau Marmont Bellman of 23 years said in a statement from Unite Here. Martha Moran, a room attendant, said that a union contract will enable her to retire. Housekeeping is a tough job, and veteran housekeepers like myself usually have a hard time planning for retirement. I'm glad to be returning to the Chateau Marmont with a union that will help me retire with dignity and respect. Nice. So now we can go back to lunch there and we won't be crossing a picket line. Oh, good. Because a lot of celebrities got in trouble. Yeah, because in March of this year, Jay-Z and Beyonce, they hosted their Oscars party there, which they have done a lot. Right. And we see, and there's a huge, um, like, like uh, there's a, uh, a picket people, line. There's a picket line outside. Yeah, you can't deny, because like I said before, there's one way in. Yeah. So you can't not see it. I mean, these workers were outside of this Oscar party as guests are arriving with signs like "Support us! Don't yeah. go! Don't be a fucking scab! Don't go in there!" And everyone was like, "Oh, everyone sees their favorite celebrity going in." Yeah, it's I not mean, a good look. It wasn't a good look uh, for the people who attended that party. Uh, so I'm glad that they are. Unionized. It is true. I mean, can you imagine the difficult jobs these people have <sighs> at this place in particular? Oh even? my god! Like, Just yeah, and it makes a ton of money. So fucking pay it forward. Pay like, it forward. Pay, pay your them. people. Pay Give your them people. a fucking um, a retirement. Like yeah. Like, I mean, crazy. being a bellman there for twenty three years, the amount and of working shit. until you're so you know a senior citizen still doing that kind of grueling work yes. is uh, incredibly difficult yeah so i really am happy for these workers 
Yeah, that's feel, good to hear. Yeah, we should go back. And now we can now we can patronize the business again. We can go and sit in that room with the record player. Yeah, I want the shrimp salad. I do like the shrimp okay, salad. I, see, I I want to get some food there because I feel like the few times I've gone. I got like a salad or something. Yeah. Which is fine, but I want to try some other stuff. <laughs> I do really like the French fries. The fries, I think I did have the too. The fries are very good there. Yeah. Right. I love fries. Yeah, me too. Such a great food. It's... <laughs> okay. <clears throat> wow. I have a frog in my throat. We're, we're going to end this show and we are going to record our after show, which is only available on patreon.com slash Hollywood Crime Zine. That's available at the $5 tier. Yeah, we'll post some more pics. It's a great show. We'll post some pictures on our Instagram this week. Bye. Bye. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.